Take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 8. You may assess that uh, I'm preaching through somewhat of the book of Acts. The Acts is a book of the Bible, or the book of the Bible actually, that centers on the church of Jesus Christ and the church of Jesus Christ that should be like it should be, like he would have it to be. And so a number of issues crop up in this book that tremendously give us the illustration of how our Lord and Savior God of the church handles his church and would like for his church to handle things on the earth. So with that emphasis, we continue to move on into and through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8. In honor of God's word, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word if you're able to? Beginning at verse 1. Now Saul was consenting to his death. Whose death? Stephen's death. You read back up uh, through Acts chapter 7, uh, verses 54 through 60, you will see Stephen's death. And they laid their coats down at the feet of one who was consenting to his death. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. There is a day coming. I won't stop at every verse and say this while you're standing, but I I will comment on several. But there is coming a day in which the church itself is going to be under great persecution in our time. It's coming that great day. So we need to get ready. We need to be prepared. We need to know that it is coming. So how should we respond? How should we act? Look at the following verses. They all scattered, again, verse 1, they all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. They all, who all? The church of Jerusalem scattered except the apostles. Verse 2, And devout even to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this word that you have honored through the years and given to us that we may see you and how you would have us in the 21st century even to live out your word and your will, and way. God, help us today to garner your message for our lives today amidst the persecution that we are under and ultimately the great persecution that is coming. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whose name we pray, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I'm going to pick up there and read 
through verse 13. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery or in some realms witchcraft in the city and astonished the people of Samaria claiming that he was someone great. All of us want to be someone great. Not all of us can be. Although, (laughs) most of us are in the eyes of God because he loves us and cares for us greatly. To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Up to this point in this time, the center of the gospel was centered in and around Jerusalem. The Jerusalem church had the gospel preached to them, and it was the outreach arm from there that the gospel went out. But there is a transition that is beginning to take place. The gospel moves from Jerusalem to Samaria and beyond as the church is scattered and moves outward. And the center, not any longer Jerusalem, becomes Antioch to where the gospel goes out from. And those to whom the gospel is shared, the Jews, Samaritans, and Gentiles, and spreads beyond what was then known as the center and central focus point of the church, Jerusalem. This was the third and final time that the gospel was only for the Jews, And the indication is that the gospel reaches out further and engulfs those outside of the Jewish realm. Those Samaritans, those Gentiles. In Acts 1.8, But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto uh, unto me both in Jerusalem in all of Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. It was and it is God's plan and God's purpose that the gospel of Jesus Christ be for all mankind. It is not to just the Jews any longer. We will see that. But it is and was even in the beginning in God's plan for the gospel to go out and to be to all mankind and for all mankind. So God's plan isn't just something that just started even as we look at it from here. It is something that was put into place and began to move as the Lord God intended it to. Chapter 7, verse 58 states, The witnesses after Stephen's stonings laid their clothes at Saul's feet. Saul of Tarsus, who became the apostle Paul. You will remember, and we will uh, cover that, Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus. As he was on that road, to go and do exactly what it is stated here, that he began to wreak havoc upon the church. Now, we have not seen persecution like we are going to see persecution. 
And what uh, is being experienced today is just, you might say, the first fruits. Uh, just a small smattering of persecution that is coming. Because we're not under great persecution. There's no one keeping us out of these doors. There's no one keeping us away from gathering together Sunday morning, some Sunday nights, Wednesday night. There, there's nothing and, and no one that's keeping us from gathering together as a body of believers coming together to pray, uh, coming together to preach and, and speak the word of God, teach the word of God. No one's doing that as of yet. In these outlying areas, there is a, a beginning point to where the church is coming under attack in larger cities, in larger places that gather together and are coming under attack because the gospel attacks untruth and unfaithful. And so, we are speaking the truth. The word of God is the truth. And so as the truth begins to unfurl in those pockets and in those places where people don't like, untru- uh, like truth, they are going to spread their evil. And the devil is going to reach out and begin shutting down those who speak the truth because People today don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to know the truth. And, and, and the truth is for them. Actually, the truth is what will help them. The truth is what will get them saved. But they don't want to hear the truth. Because they don't want to be told they're wrong. And that's even in our government today, too. We have here in chapter 8, what is an indication of what we can expect of the gospel if we spread the gospel, if we do what Jesus has told us to do, go and make disciples. As you are going, make disciples in all the world, in Judea, Samaria, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. But we are told to do that. We are commanded to do that. It is not a great suggestion. It is a great commissioning by our Lord Jesus himself. So what we have here in chapter 8, it's what I want us to see that what is going to happen if we do what the Lord Jesus says to do if we follow him, if we obey him, if we want to be true to what he has called us to do as believers. Let me make this disclaimer, if you want to call it a disclaimer. If you are here today and you're a Christian and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're, you've trusted him as your Lord and Savior. You, you claim to be a Christian. This is, this is what you should be about. You're going to hear principles of what you should be doing. And, and it's what you should be doing as an individual, as a believer. It's what we should be doing as a corporate body of believers. It's what the Lord Jesus has told us to do. Look at verses 1 through 3 and look at the great persecution that came in that day, in that time as the church was scattering. Saul was consenting to the death of Stephen and at that time a great persecution arose against the Jerusalem church and they scattered, they ran as it were, they, they moved out. There, sometimes, um, I'll make this statement, and, and some may, because you may have been in a church split. You may have been where churches just, just broke all to pieces. But I want to make a statement to you. I believe sometimes it is the Lord Jesus' will 
because the church may not be doing it, that the church that's not doing and fulfilling his great commission, he literally brings about or allows for that splitting to scatter the church to do what he wants them to do. Now, what do you mean, Pastor Don? Because some of them don't go out scattering the word of God or spreading the word of God. Well, but that's the intention. That's the purpose. You see, a lot of us aren't doing what the Lord Jesus wants us to do, even though he has saved us to do it. Does that make sense to you? In other words, the Lord Jesus has saved us, but he hasn't saved us to sit and smolder and spill out on the pew. He has saved us and sent us out to spread the word of God. And and if we do that, things are going to be different. We'll be faithful to the Lord. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If the world hate you, John 15, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my saying, they will keep your saying also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If we, if if we want... Go to John uh, uh, chapter 15 and, and read 18 through 21. Underline, highlight that last phrase in verse 21. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they know not him who sent me. One of the reasons that people are persecuting the church, one of the reasons that you are under persecution, <coughs> excuse me, or one of the reasons why we uh, have church fights and 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 uh, and 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 you may be one of the ones that that receive the blunt of the brawl, so to speak, is because most of the time they don't know who are bringing the persecution, who are bringing the fight, who are bringing the battle. Don't know him that sent God or Jesus, rather, into the world. We've got to remember that. We've got to remember that that the world, in large part, does not know the Lord God. And so as we spread the gospel, as we stand up for the for the principles of the word of God, it's going to throw us into disagreement a lot of times with those who just want to milly-mally and, and just to, just to uh, not really be serious about the things of God and the word of God and not stand on the word of God and, and want us to go somewhere and shut up. And be quiet. So, know that whoever is doing that, in reality, they may say they do, but in reality, they don't know him. And that's what John was saying. Steve, Saul was consenting to Stephen's death. Who was Stephen? Stephen was, was a, a, a great man of God. Stephen believed Jesus. Stephen followed Jesus. Stephen was preaching Jesus. And they didn't like it. He was speaking the truth. And they didn't like it. Saul didn't like it. And so they stoned him to death. 
devout men, believers, carried Stephen to his burial, made great lamentation over him. And as for Saul, Saul made havoc of the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women, committed them to prison. Friends, again, we don't know what the persecution that's coming is going to be like, but we know that it's coming. So we need to be prepared, committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives because he's the one that we're going to give an account to for how we stand in our faithfulness of standing up for him. That great persecution broke out when Stephen shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. It didn't matter whether he was right or wrong. It didn't matter whether it was truth or false. They didn't want the truth. They didn't like Stephen. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. They weren't interested in what he was preaching. It was, it, it, it was what they did not want to hear. And it's the same today. It's the same today. The culture we live in does not want to hear the truth. The Bible says in the last days, perilous times are coming. And the Bible says in the last days they will not endure sound doctrine. That's where, that's, I believe that's where we are in these last days. Because people are not enduring sound doctrine. They don't want to hear sound doctrine. Our culture says there is no right or wrong. Our culture says your right is up to you. You determine your right. And you're wrong. I received an email some, some time ago that told me there is no right or wrong. It's just difference <laughs> I laughed when I got that because that was in response to something that I had written and sent out I can't remember whether it was on uh, it had to be on email I suppose or Facebook somewhere like that anyway I, I received that uh, about right or wrong it's just different there is no right or wrong just different I told them, well, I'm glad I'm not living in your world. James 4, uh, 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. There is right and wrong. I, let me tell you and let me assure you, there is right and wrong. There may, it may be different to you, but it is right and wrong. And this book particularly says there's right and wrong. And the laws of the state of North Carolina and the, the, the nation of the United States has right and wrong. And if you do wrong and you get arrested for it, you're going to go to court for being wrong. And if you contend that there is no right or wrong, just different, one day when you stand before the judgment seat, you will answer uh, the, uh, the great white throne judgment particularly. <laughs> you will answer sadly to your misunderstanding that there is right and wrong and you're going to be judged for it. What we see in this great persecution is that some scatter and then some stay. Some scattered. The church scattered. They went different places and different spaces in difference for their true believing when they went. A true believer, when he goes somewhere, he's going to spread the gospel. He's going to share the gospel. He sees his responsibility of taking the gospel with him no matter where he is and where he goes. Verse 4 tells us, everywhere they went, they preached the word. Everywhere they went, they preached the word. 
This is the church. This isn't the, it isn't the apostles. It isn't the leaders. It's the people of the church from Jerusalem as they scattered. That's what the Great Commission says. As you are going along in life, make disciples. Share the gospel. Spread the gospel. Some scattered, but some stayed. In verse, the latter part of verse 1, except the apostles. Now, Jesus, when he gave the Great Commission, he never, he never did not expect us to do what he said to do. He never thought that we would not follow through with going and taking the gospel to our neighbors, our community, and and extending it everywhere we go. They were doing what the Lord had told them to do. And then the apostles did what the Lord told them to do. Stay in Jerusalem until they're endowed with power, and you will be witnesses. And so they stayed there because centrally located was the, was the beginning of the church, the body, the, the heartbeat of the church. And making people, making the Lord Jesus known was what they did there and sending people out. Scattering and not scattering. Obeying what Jesus said do. Great persecution calls for that a lot of times, enables that a lot of times. That's just like splits. Well, then there was a great deception. Great persecution came, and then the great deception deals with Simon. But it's a message to you and I today. There was a certain man named Simon called Simon, who, who previously practiced sorcery. Uh, now, this, this sorcery was, was magic or uh, actually witchcraft. And he astonished a lot of people, claiming that he was someone great. With what he was doing, he seemed to have had great power. And people attributed that to what he was doing as it was from God. The problem was it was not from God. Um, They heeded him. They followed him because he had astonished them with sorceries, verse 11, for a long time uh, with his magic arts. and, and you, you do know that the hand is quicker than the eye. And, and that's why magic uh, is able to be, uh, we're able to be astonished when people do magic things. Uh, it, it's it's kind of crazy that even as adults, uh, we think of children are, are so taken by, by those who are able to do magic things. But in actuality, we, as adults, are, are pretty taken a lot of times with their magical abilities. Deception a lot of times causes us to look upon something with great amazement and, and think about, well, wait, what in the world is going on? Is, is this of God? Is it not of God? And, uh, and so this man, was, it was attributed to Simon as having great power of God. They heeded him. They followed him. But when they believed Philip, you see, there was a difference here. Notice Philip preached the things of God. He, concerning, he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God. And he preached in the name of Jesus Christ. And both men and women were baptized. But notice, 
Simon didn't do that. Simon wasn't doing that. Simon was performing magic arts. And then Simon himself, it says in verse 13, believed. And when he was baptized, continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now, what we're going to see is that Simon was so taken himself with Philip and Philip's preaching and what Philip did under the gospel of Jesus Christ that Simon's deceptive practices and desire, he wanted the power that Philip had. Look at verses 14 and following. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not fallen on them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. What is Simon trying to do? He's trying to buy the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit. Saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because your thought, you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Peter saw through. There was another time that Peter saw through people, wasn't it? We already have heard Ananias and Sapphire. Ananias and Sapphire lied. Peter said, you lied to the Holy Spirit. What do you mean to lie to the Holy Spirit? You lied to God. You didn't lie to us. And so, Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead right there. And Simon, Peter really gives Simon a a chance. (laughs) He says, Your money perish with you. You don't have a portion in this ministry. You don't have a portion in this matter. Your heart's not right in the sight of God. Repent. Get your heart right. And perhaps what you thought in your heart, God will forgive you of. Because you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Why do you suppose... Simon was poisoned by bitterness and sin because in truth the the fullness of his heart and the fullness of what he needed to repent of had not been repented of. I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. He had gone through his life Gaining by money from all people. And he thought he could do the same thing with the Lord. And the power of the Holy Spirit. Iniquity. Sin. He had not emptied his heart and his life. Of all that sin inside. Friend, when we come to the Lord Jesus, he sees our heart. He knows our heart. He knows our heart today. He knows your heart today. He knows where you are. He knows where you're living. He knows what you're practicing and what I'm practicing. He knows the truth about us. 
And that's the truth we don't want the preacher to talk about, anybody else to talk about. That's what Simon's problem was as well. But we also see that there was great joy. When we understand and we hear and we are pricked to the heart by the Holy Spirit of God, when we hear the gospel, Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The word of God is proclaimed whether it's shared individually, whether it's in a Sunday school class, or whether it's in a worship experience, or one-on-one, the Lord God is able to touch hearts and lives and change them. Verse 8 says there was great joy, and there was great joy in that city for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed and there was great joy in the city and then look at verses 26 through 39 as we see that the preaching of the gospel an angel of the lord spoke to philip verse 26 saying arise go toward the south along the road which goes down from jerusalem to gaza this is desert. Philip proclaimed the gospel where he was scattered, where he had been scattered. And Simon was one that was pointed out, and because of what he was experiencing, because because of what he was going through, because of his heart, is an illustration To say to us, that's not the way we ought to be, not the way we need to be in order to come clean before God. And that's what we need to do is come clean before God. Pour all of ourselves out before the Lord God. Go back to verse 24. After Peter says to Simon, I see you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of the things which you've spoken may come upon me. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up, Philip, arise, and go towards the south, the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. In the midst of what is taking place today, I think it's interesting that we are focusing on a passage in Scripture that refers to some of the area of Israel. Gaza is a major part of the war that's going on today. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm not fully ready to delve into all that's going on. Suffice it to say, in this aspect, Gaza at one time, had the gospel proclaimed to them. Philip was told to arise and go down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. As we look at the TV and many of the reports of what's going on in Israel and the area, Gaza is one as I said, the major area. It was at one time desert, and there's still some desert places there. Philip was told to get up and go down to Gaza. 
Verse 27, so he arose and went. He got up and he went. Behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. Sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And then the spirit said to Philip, go near, overtake the chariot. Philip ran to him, heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? He said, how can I unless someone guide me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. And the place in the scriptures which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from earth. The eunuch asked Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? Verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. One on one. (laughs) He preached one on one to the Ethiopian eunuch. He preached Jesus. Friends, that's that's all we have to preach. It doesn't matter what else you preach. The truth is what we as children of God need to be concerned about in our day and time. Because it's what our world needs. It's what the people next door to us need. It's what the people down the street from us need. It's what the people across the area in which we live and move and have our being need. They need to hear Jesus. And some may not hear unless we Take it to them. It's interesting. It's interesting that to me that the Lord God would, would say to Philip, call Philip out. Hey, Philip. Philip. Yeah, yeah. I hear you, Lord. What? What do you want me to do? Well, I want you to get up and I want you to go south down to Gaza. Lord, there's a war going on down there. Now. That's people. Uh, get up and go down south. Lord, mm, that's not a good place. That's not where I want to go. I didn't ask you where you wanted to go, Philip. Get up and go. The Bible says he got up and he ran down to Gaza. And then he saw this guy in a chariot he was stopped and he heard him reading out loud Isaiah he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearers decided so he opened on his mouth in his humiliation his justice was taken away and who will declare his generation for his life is taken from earth Scratched his head, and I can see Philip. Man, let me let me get on up there. Boogalooing on down, you know. Yes, hey man, <laughs> do you understand what you're reading? Well, no, I I I really don't. Well, can I tell you? Yeah, come on up in here, sit down with me, and and talk with me, and help me out here. Can you help me out? Can you tell me? Who he's talking about. Philip. I sure can. I'll be glad to tell you. And then he preaches Jesus to him. Now, I I I think that's kind of a little little humorous, I guess, for me in thinking about as a preacher. That Philip would preach to this other guy. Preach. That's what the Bible says. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, not everybody, and, and, and please understand, I know this too. 
Not everybody preaches like me. Not everybody's going to preach like me. And, and I understand that. Some people don't like hollering and shouting. Some people that don't like moving, moving around. I, I, I understand that. Um, and and I've, I've got a sister-in-law that she moved from California over here uh, with my brother. He was married to my brother, and, and uh, they're still married together. But uh, she asked me, said, why, why do all the preachers here in the South yell so, so much? I said, well, I don't know that it's all the preachers in the South. I said, but, but I think I can probably tell you. I said, it's keep people out in the congregation away. I said, people out in California don't have to worry about that because they're three hours later than we are anyway. So they get three more hours of sleep than we do. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I, I understand that. Uh, and, 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 and I'm okay with that. Uh, but I just, I just can't see a preacher like me one-on-one because I just got to put emotion into it. I just got to put myself into it, and I, I can't sit. I'd have been up in that chariot. I'd have been down on the ground. I'd have been all around that chariot. I've been, that mule wouldn't have known, or horse wouldn't have known, or those horses wouldn't have known what to do because I'd have been preaching to them too. But I mean, you know, it's, it's just preaching to him, Jesus. That's, that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. And it was great joy, brought great joy because he believed. He believed. And there was joy. The major response we want to hear and want to see from people who we share the gospel with is joy, is rejoicing. We want to hear them, yes, man, I want this Jesus. Yes, man, I want to know him. And I want to know him better. I want to know more. I want him to save me. Happiness comes and goes. This is not, this is not happiness that we're talking about. We're talking about joy. Listen. As they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? This guy believed. He was really believing. He, he believed so much, he believed that he wanted and needed to be baptized. Baptized. Now, look. He knew where some water was as they were going along. He saw some water, and he said, Hey, man, look here, Philip. What keeps me from being baptized? Philip said, Amen. If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he said, listen what the eunuch said. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. <laughs> that is a confession of faith. That is a confession of belief. And as he made that confession of faith, he revealed what was in his heart. He revealed what he believed. And so, verse 38 he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he was baptized. <laughs> That's baptism by immersion. When you go down into the water. Because you can't come up out of the water unless you go down into the water. Baptizo baptized, going beneath. And when he came out of the water, verse 39, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way, what? Rejoicing, happy. He was full of joy, rejoicing, joy, joy. Joy is that deep delight, cheerfulness, gladness, Joy that cannot be wiped away. Joy, joy. There's joy in my heart because of the Lord Jesus. And Philip was found at Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Friend, that joy is what the world needs. It's the joy of the Lord. 
Corporately, the whole city was filled with joy. Individually, the unit was full of joy. The Holy Spirit directed everything, every part. The Holy Spirit convicts of sin in every human life, in all lives. It's the power and the presence. It's the person of the Holy Spirit that does it. And he, Holy Spirit, converts as well. That joy is what they brought when they scattered and shared the gospel as people were saved. There's one of three ways you can respond to the gospel. Persecution, deception, or joy. Mm. I love the joy. Don't you? When people respond to the gospel... There is joy. And we need to share that joy. And they need to share that joy with others as well. Bow with me. Lord God, you you are full of the joy that you want to share and want us to share with our world. And we can as we share you. Help us, Lord, to realize that salvation brings that joy through the Holy Spirit As he converts us from sinner to saint. God, today, if there's one here who has never trusted you as Lord and Savior, I pray that today will be the day. And they will come to know the joy of Christ our Lord. And then scatter to share that joy and spread the gospel wherever they may go. And for us who are believers, Lord, may we be faithful to spread the gospel as we go our separate ways even today. In Jesus' name.